Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your hosts, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson, a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy. And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist, certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher. We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey. Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. This Somebody else told me, like, oh, I know, it was Sarah uh, Eldridge. Like, she emailed it to a friend. Oh, fun. Wow. The ones we did. Yeah. Why, hi, who are these people? Hi, buddy. Oh. We're not done yet. Yeah. Let's see. Adri is like really distracted. Breakfast. Yeah. Okay. Second breakfast. Okay. Second breakfast. He's a hobbit. (laughs) (laughs) You got that reference. (laughs) We've been eating laying down because. My back was like killing me. And I realized that sitting up with my tailbone issue was like not okay. So how's that doing? Um it's better, but it still like hurts to sit on. So those can go on for so long. I know, I know. But getting off I was nursing in it, you know, hours a day sitting on it, even though my chair was comfortable, but it was like killing my back. So now that we've mastered sideline nursing, it's so uh, much better. I loved nursing laying down. So relaxing. It, it Sometimes I just close my eyes, take a little snooze. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, think I gotta find this thing, but uh, where is it? Um, the, so the constipation can be uh, vata. Mm-hmm. So let me see. I just we just there's this thing called the upakrama. Okay. Oh, that are the treatments for each of the 
doshas. Okay. So for vata. Oh, snehana and swedana. Oiling and sweating. Ooh. Okay. I guess, you yeah. know, George is going to go over this stuff with you. So maybe we wait, but see what I the like doing that so you do the oil massage before the shower and then you sweat and then you shower you oil sweat and shower oh, interesting so could i do like oil then take a hot bath and then shower yeah. off yeah okay yeah i should do that um, um oh i think i might be getting my period oh that would do it I don't know how to handle it? <laughs> you handle first period after wow. so long. I'm surprised yeah. I'm getting it so early too. Yeah, so exclusively yeah. breastfeeding, but I guess it happens. Yeah, sorry about that. I went two and a half years. It was great. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, so like good. I had one period and then I got pregnant. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see what she says. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the the, the question is, we were just chit chatting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um. So the question is, when when was the first time your body didn't do what you expected it to do? And I I can give my first notable like memorable example i was 15 years old i was dancing in a ballet company and i developed a stress fracture in my fibula that i truly truly i was going to be on the stage with rudolf nuriev and um i couldn't i missed the opportunity because of this injury Oh, no. Yeah, that sounds almost unbelievable. If in the dance world, this guy is legend, and he was he was towards the end of his career and dancing with the Wisconsin Ballet Company. <laughs> uh, but uh, so I had to sit in the audience and watch. So it was heartbreaking for a young athlete. <sighs> yeah. yeah, I. Yeah, I can relate to that as well. I think I went into a depression. Yeah, went into depression. Okay. So how did you, um, what happened? Like, did you recover eventually? or? I had to have surgery on it. I developed a bone growth because I pushed myself so hard trying to keep going. And Mm -hmm. didn't know about physical therapy back then. So didn't, I didn't. Um, recover it I limped for a long time Um, like after I graduated from PT school so I was in my 30s and the first people I worked with they're like they could see my limp in my 30s yeah and uh, so did you like did you just like try to push through it when you were a dancer or did you like rest or okay no no rest just push through I mean that was the mentality is you you just you know overcome overcome your body right um 
did your dance teacher encourage that as well? Like, I'm just curious. Oh, yes. My dance teacher was a a Russian. (laughs) (laughs) She was very tough. You just push through. Mm. She's the one who told me, because I also got pregnant at a young age, at 18. And I still remember, she she says to me, we Russians, we, we squat in the field and have our babies and then go back to work. You Americans, <laughs> we all have to take a break. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the mindset. Be tough. Overcome. And I just I made it worse. And then got really depressed and lost that whole connection. And I did compulsive overeating. Um, And I put myself into theater. I did a lot with with community theater. Um, So it's kind of... That was like the first time your body, like... How how did you like feel about your body towards your body at that point? Oh, I it was a hatred. I felt betrayed yeah. by my body. Um, yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, it was it was uh, probably decades till I came around out of that. Um, I developed kind of a a chronic fatigue, which turned out to be a thyroid problem in my early 20s, which was probably all part of this thing that started young. Makes me think that uh, it would be nice to have better guidance for for kids who who get injured, Um, how to like psychologically like work through that. especially I mean I can definitely relate as an athlete and starting to get injuries I think my first injury too was shin splints dancing actually Mm. Um, that turned into a stress fracture luckily I didn't have to have surgery but it was one of those chronic things Um, and then my first like bad and well then I, I broke my wrist playing goalie um, in eighth grade and I think I just also had that push through it mentality I had an orchestra concert that night and played my violin um, oh. like with a broken wrist and then the next day I got a cast on it <laughs> um, Ouch. yeah so I don't know I I think I had some coaches were more of the push through mentality, um, but I think my parents were pretty encouraging of like taking care of my body and resting it. But it definitely was hard, like mentally, because I had to miss out, like missing out on your sport and missing out on dance competitions, and it was very like very aggravating and very frustrating. And I did feel that same like like frustration with my body and like why can't you just get better um um yeah but yeah sort of work through it on my own I guess the 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 mental component yeah is big and uh in my Ayurveda training it's interesting that they 
say, okay, so if there's been some kind of trauma, some kind of injury, the one of the first things you do is work with the person on that, on the mental plane to adjust to the change that has happened. Mm. So I find that interesting that they recognize the importance of that. So that's a really, I think we're both bringing up it, an illustration of that, what can happen with physical activity as youth that they're mm-hmm. pushing too hard. This has gone on. Yeah. So I also played competitive sports, but I didn't um, necessarily have an injury that took me out too much. I mean, or at least in a mental capacity, like I broke my arm, I broke my nose, I like, pulled a hamstring. Like I've done things, but thankfully it was never anything like that knocked me out too much. Or like the age times that I did it, it was early enough that it wasn't necessarily very competitive in my life, right? Um, but my junior year of college, I was chronically ill my entire that entire year and it was most likely like where I was living at the time and I went from someone who was pretty level-headed and pretty everyone will always say that my moods and my emotions like were pretty even keel and predictable and then I went in like this who knows you know what like sleeping more uh being more emotional um, the worst grades that I've had in my entire life, you know, uh, were that semesters and that year. So, um, yeah, it was not, not easy. That's for sure. And I'm, I think I'm still dealing with that since then and not knowing that all of that was wrecking my nervous system and wrecking my adrenals and thyroid and all that stuff. And then just, unfortunately not dealing with it for the next 10 years, you know, kind of a thing. Or or even knowing how. Knowing how. Yeah, exactly. I have that byline, everything you need to know, you can learn from living in a body. And as we broach this topic and share our personal experiences, I'm like, Oh wow, this is, um, a very common experience to have your body let you down. And then you don't think it's going to happen to you. I think that's a universal human response too. We're going to live forever and I'm not going to have that thing happen to me that happened to the other guy, but it, it does. That's how bodies work. And now we have to learn um, how to live in a body <laughs> And this balance of push, pushing, being athletic, and caring for ourselves. I also think that, like, I remember when I was growing up, you know, the the tragedy of things was, or, like, what your body failing you was, like, cancer or some other serious illness or diagnosis. And then when you get into the real world and understand that um, people's body failing them or 
in some capacities is a lot more subtle than that. And it's like the thing before the cancer, right? Or the thing yeah. before the major diagnosis. And hopefully it's also the thing before the major diagnosis happens. Um, but, you know, that in limbo situation is serious and we don't take it seriously. Yeah, yeah. We're describing things that won't kill you versus the the big one you know the big things cancers and injuries at the i mean those feelings then must be amplified we've certainly seen it in our patients um yeah i remember working with someone the first time they got a Parkinson's diagnosis and really the a lot of the physical therapy at the time although we were designing exercise program was just the mental adjustment to this is happening um and how do we live now man that's kind of heavy and like we're all a little silent (laughs) Taking it in. Yeah. And maybe that's it. It's a grief and giving our, giving ourselves time to grieve, giving the people around us time to grieve. Um, Yeah. That's an interesting way to think about having, the people around us time to grieve or whatever their emotions are when a change happens because it, it is multifactorial and it is multi-generational and there's so much tied in into our identity of one at one time and then when that changes that identity we do have to grieve that identity leaving and some people you know in families or friends, you know, refuse to acknowledge that change or, mm-hmm. and, or refuse to grieve the change and then allow for the, the next stage and, you know, in your life. And it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's once, once you've experienced some loss from body loss we'll call it um then you get to decide like you can you can stay on the sofa or you can decide what are we going to do like how do i live and enjoy what i have um i like to think of it as um use the phrase game on okay this happened and now how will I relate um, to myself so that I can live fully? And I think that's where we start to learn. Well, I think for me, I, I had to learn to love my body. I mean, I can remember taking showers and like, oh, yuck, I hate myself, hate myself. And somewhere along the line, and it was through being a physical therapist and also going through my own counseling, uh, mental health counseling, to start you know, like putting lotion on and talking to my body saying, well, you know what? Thank you for what you did do. (laughs) Like, 
not the I love you stuff. I didn't start there because I didn't. Um, but to start with, you, you tried your best. <laughs> and it took me a while to come around to, my body didn't do anything like to betray me. It's, it, that's not how bodies work. You know, my body was trying to do everything I was asking it to do with what I gave it. And so I needed to reevaluate what I was asking it to do and and what I gave it. And I think we can talk about those things. And I think the third thing is the expectations for bodies, like what they should look like or what they should be capable of. Or that everyone should be capable of the same thing. Yeah. I think you're getting into um, uh, the point of like, how do we relate to pain and discomfort? Also, like, do we hate our pain or do we learn to like have communication um, and maybe even eventually love our pain or, um, and the idea that like our physical ailments or our pain is trying to tell us something. Um, like it makes me think of when I was young twenties and I started to get neck pain. Um, and it started out just like waking up with a crick in my neck and then that started happening more often and then became more chronic. I think that was the first time I felt like chronic pain and was really confused by it. Like what, why is this just not like going away? Um, it's not like a sprained ankle or or something that I can get over and I think over the years it's like I've taken a deep dive into what that pain means and how it's related to my pelvic floor and like what what it's trying to tell me um, on on other levels of my being and um, learning to to really listen to it um, work on my posture, um, you know, work on other parts of my body to, um, communicate with that pain. Um, that's what's coming to mind for me. Well, I, I like that, you know, and when you say it too, and I think like my 15 year old self would have been in rebellion to the idea of being in relationship with pain and, uh, yet that's the message I'm giving my patients all the, all the time. Right. Yeah. We just want to push it away. You're like, what the heck? Why, why are you hurting body? <laughs> like, stop. <laughs> it's so much easier to just hate it. Um, but yeah, it takes a different shift to sit back and say, okay, like you're here pain. Like, what are you trying to tell me? Um, I don't know. Keep your heart from ears open to anything I might have to say. I think that really gets into some of the work that we do with people with like somato-emotional release and, and um, bringing um, our mind and our, like visualizing what we're feeling in our body and listening to maybe um, some messages that it's saying, telling us. Yeah, well, and that would certainly be a tool for how we manage pain in the body is to listen to it and what is it telling us. Yeah. 
It makes me think of that exercise that you probably taught me, Sarah, the, like when you feel pain to like bring your awareness there and say, okay, like what, what color is it? What shape and what texture? Mm. Um, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, just something comes to mind. And, um, and I think even just the act of bringing your awareness to it can sometimes just ease the pain up a bit. Yeah. I, like, I don't think I've ever heard that description besides the color, but I also like the idea of shape and texture and how it can make it more tangible than uh, bleeding rate and elusive. Because um, it is fascinating because I've been lately just really hearing people how they describe pain and how they um, experience pain and how what one person's description of pain is different than another person's description. And what a great way to make it, like I said, more tangible so that we can work through it, like Shona had said. That's pretty cool. Yeah. It, it makes, makes you feel more, like it, it makes you oh, more curious ahead. about it. You you become more curious yeah. rather than resistant to. Um, and you can use any of the five senses. Like if this pain had a smell, you could do that. <laughs> right. Or if it has a voice, like, or sound, mm-hmm. what is it saying? Mm-hmm. What does it sound like? That's a big one. Like when I think of pain, sometimes I feel myself in my body, like whatever is going on in my body, I feel like a, <laughs> like a, <laughs> a roar or something that can feel so good to just let yourself like (laughs) just uh, say it or yell it (laughs) yeah and if you think about it um that you know the brain the brain's job is to help us survive to keep us going and if it perceives danger it it uses pain to get our attention so if we use our attention to turn it towards what we're feeling with non-judgment and curiosity that starts reducing all the messaging, you know, the, the signaling in the nervous system, it, it calms it down. So even if there is tissue damage or um, the pain signal will reduce. And then, then we can start to work in harmony with our, our body. Mm. move it without forcing it yeah that makes me think of like uh, learning about pain theory and how we used to think like um everyone experiences pain the same if you get pinched for for example um but then but then we realized that it's like you have someone can have the same tissue damage but suffer from the pain completely differently and that depends on a million different things like your past experiences um like what's most important to you like a a violinist will feel pain in their finger will suffer from the pain more than someone who doesn't use their hands as much um or the state the stress state that you're in that day um so just knowing that i i felt like learning that for me was was really helpful 
um, because then I could say, okay, like, I don't know, just bring my mind back to, okay, this is the injury or this is what's happening physically in my body. And then the, the suffering from the pain is different than the pain itself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, well, and I, I think when we we were talking about having this topic, that was the, that was one of the drivers was the d- suffering and how to alleviate suffering, mm-hmm. which is different than taking away the pain. Yeah. Or taking away the physical tissue damage or inflammation or whatever is going on. Mm-hmm. It's still there and we can work on alleviating the inflammation, um, but yeah working with the suffering is is a different different thing somehow and it's not ignoring right it's not saying that like you're it's not important or that your pain that your suffering isn't important um Mm -hmm. yeah i think sometimes so in this this point of ignoring our bodies is going to it's not going to end well <laughs> um they right. they still need to be cared for and this is that living harmoniously in the body that the one thing i can count on till the day i die is my body i'm going to in that in that i'm going to be in this body till the day i die it's the only thing i can count on People, even people come and go, the ones I love the most, even. And so I need to care for this body in whatever state it's in. And that's that's the harmony is that what did I what state did I wake up in today and then work with my body there? And that's like feeding it, getting it moving, making sure it had rest or has rest. Um, so then what do we think of if our body gravitates towards one of those aspects maybe in an unbalanced way so you know it's important to eat and to move and to rest um and having the combination of all those three is going to change every day but then how what happened like what is the I guess what's the reasoning or what's the underlying factor of choosing one a little bit more maybe for a short time and then when does it become like more of a not an excuse but it's more of a hesitation to do all of them and you're just focusing on like one or two right if that makes sense like Meaning, you know, some people might cho- choose movement as more and they attack that more and more and more. Um, or people will choose rest more and then it becomes to a point where they're not moving enough um, and they're resting, which is a good thing, but that balance is just not there. Is that like a mental thing? Is that a nervous system thing? Is it both? I think it's both. Um, and the more I learn about the doshas, the more I'm like, and it's a doshic thing. Uh, and in 
Ayurveda, they talk about there's a triumph, there's a trio of sleep and food and use of use of one's energy. So that that would be kind of the exercise thing. Um, and everything is in a balance of too much or too little or just right for all three of those things. So it is true. I mean, for a long time, I paid no attention to food. I was just focused on exercise or thinking of food as something that could help me. I was of the mindset that it's all calories and it doesn't matter what it's made up of. So then then, I guess if like the balance gets out of balance, you know, between the three or, you know, is it, you know, what we would consider be a rut, you know, like we're in a rut or something like that and is essentially just being mindful and coming back into our body and being willing to ask the hard questions about ourselves and, and what's the word, um, really reflecting on the why and then that's how we can kind of make the decision to get back into balance. Is your question kind of, is your, is your question like how to get back into balance when you, yeah, I guess that's what it is. I think too, you're bringing up points like it's hard to like make changes. Like when we get into like a routine of what we're doing and then even when we are in balance, it's hard to say, like, start working out more if you're not getting enough movement or change your eating habits. Um, it does take a lot of, like, effort or mindfulness to, like, figure out how to how to make those changes in your life. Um, it first takes a lot of effort or mindfulness to even know that you're out of balance. And then it's like, okay, and then how do you, yeah, make those changes? Um, yeah, I, I think one of the things I've done is I like lay out things I think I want to do or I should do or whatever. And I lay them out like I'm looking at the horizon and I just, even if it's just in my mind's eye and, oh, like go for a walk or la la la, eat breakfast, whatever. What do I feel like doing? And one thing, I'll, maybe there'll be one thing like, yeah, I can move in that direction. I'm going to do that one thing. And so I just stay away from the things I'm resistant to. Um, and the other, the, and that can breed success too. Like doing that one thing that I'm like, okay, I can do this next thing. Another tool I have is my, and I get it from my dad because he'd always have these three by five cards <laughs> and he'd write, be writing down what, what he had to do. And so I, I will put things I want to do on a card and I'll look at it and like, it's same thing with the horizon idea. I can do this thing on the list. And so I'm not asking myself, do I want to do it? It's like, um, 
It's time to do something. Here's the list. Pick something. Let's do it. That, that and that's a way I overcome some of the inertia uh, that comes with depression and also with you know just the other ways we become imbalanced. And then I think this year, especially because there's just been a lot of weightiness to this this year for me, a lot of loss, that I just think, well, one foot in front of the other. And it's not just loss. It's like I've had a lot of things on my plate and that there's absolutely no way I can get them all done, but I can do one thing. I can put one foot in front of the other. That's good. And making it smaller, like. We always have to think these changes and the things that we have to do in our day have to be so impactful and so grandiose that in reality, it's the simple things that add up that really make a difference. It is amazing how they add up. <laughs> yeah. And it's a good reminder for myself, too. I mean, I don't know if people can hear in my voice. I just I definitely am struggling now. And last night I was like what am I doing to myself you know and so it's trying to grapple with this looming situation that seems like it feels like so daunting and so um I don't even have like the capacity to do this but like you said it's like small things built up in time make the change and give you clarity and that's the most important part and i think for doers though too we have to give ourselves time to do nothing when my teacher richard moths at one time he said you just have to sit on the sofa and drool <laughs> and I think that's like the hard part right like that's what i was also saying earlier I, I don't think i described it very well but it's like when are we giving ourselves like enough time to just sit on the couch and drool, right? Versus mm -hmm. now it's becoming, now it's going the other way where it's too much rest, right? Or we're using it, you know, how many times have I, it's like I'm weaponizing my knowledge of understanding of the nervous system and understanding like that rest is important. And yet, am I weaponizing it to the point that I'm using it so much as an excuse, right? Then, um, then actually like reality, right? And, or it's like, this is the time where I truly need to like not rest as much, you know, it's obviously I'm grappling with two different concepts that are both valid and both important and find the balance between the two is what is important as well. Um, ah, yeah. So it's like when, so I, I feel like now that I'm more aware of of maybe me using rest more as an excuse now than like an actual active recovery, then mm. that's when it's become, like when it's now shifted to the other way where we're using it more as an excuse. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is to that. Well, there are some objective things like, for instance, taking a day a week is not unreasonable. A day a week where you, you're doing nothing or, you know, outside enjoying, enjoying the pretty day or what, doing 
watching movies where you have no responsibility. Um, that is a time tested method. <laughs> a day yeah. day off. Yeah, and I think. What do you mean by? I'm sorry, I'm just curious too. What do you mean by, a, like, a, um, as an excuse? Um, like I like. It's easy for someone who knows the information about the nervous system and understanding the fight or flight and rest and digest and understanding that if we get to a point of too much fight or flight, we need more rest in our day. And how does it become a, a, could it become an excuse at some point where, oh, it's my nervous system that is too much in fight or flight or too much. So I'm going to have another rest day. And it's like, are we just denying the hard truth or are we using rest as an excuse for how we're mentally and emotionally feeling overwhelmed or anything like that in reality like at times too much rest is going to bite you in the ass at some point you know um that's kind of where I'm at like where I'm feeling right now is where I'm feeling um well, one, all over the place. I feel like I'm bringing up tons of information and yet they don't quite seamlessly connect to each other. But I feel, you know, I feel that I am using the excuse and I'm using the excuse very loosely um, because in reality, like, we do want people to understand that rest is important and knowing what your nervous system is doing. Um, But I'm finding myself that I'm telling, I'm giving myself the out of, well, my nervous system needs more rest. So that's why I'm still resting. And at some point, am I using it as as an excuse to not do something when in reality I should be doing something? And actually my nervous system is wanting me to do something because it needs to change up a little bit too. So. Uh, Okay. Well, it sounds like you do really need rest. I mean, if you feel like you need rest, I mean, that's my initial reaction is like, well, maybe like, how do we then just like not overthink it and just like truly listen to what your gut is saying and yeah. just like, you probably need rest. Um, well, I, I don't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I think of what you achieved, you know, like the effort to take that test, uh, that women's, that board certification. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize that's what. Well, yeah. For taking it. And <laughs> I mean, so that hard. was big. Oh, and. Shona, she was out of there like in uh, four hours. I, okay. I believe it. <laughs> that was a huge achievement. Yeah. And you just think about like the size of what you built up and then you let off the explosion of taking the test. And now it has to all settle down. And it was a big firework and it's going to take, it can take, oh, maybe it takes a month for that all of that energy that you focus to get that done yeah at least you took the months like building up to it it's a lot yeah. that test was so hard yeah oh. it, it is hard because like i hear you and i'm like oh yeah like yes i need to have grace for myself i need to have compassion for myself i need to understand where i've been and what i've done in the past six plus months or whatever um and it's still that like in the back of your brain, right? Or how, you know, I was raised in a very, like, work hard, um, you know, put your head down, work hard, and play hard, you know, two at the same time. And 
it's kind of hard to unlearn that. that yeah. Doing and constantly um, being productive or something like that. This you're exactly in the topic. You're experience the, experiencing our topic in the moment. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, I, yeah. I, know, and, I know this morning I like when you when you were like, How do you do it? I'm like, I am here. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh oh. What's wrong? <laughs> I didn't ask you, then I was rude and like didn't ask you, you know, how you're doing. So. That's fine. You don't have to. <laughs> um you know the fatigue is a red flag to me like i don't want if i'm feeling fatigue you can trust your body it's telling you the truth and you respond to that and if it's telling you day after day you're fatigued then we need to go to the next step of taking action to address the fatigue and it it can take more than a day you know like maybe it needs a week off or something like that my yeah my son was the one who taught me to take two weeks off oh that was amazing the first time I took two weeks off and you get to the end of a week and you're like oh wait a minute I don't have to go back to work what a feeling yeah yeah it takes you a week to just like get your brain to calm down um and then another week to actually deeply rest that's what I yeah heard and I've experienced yeah it just makes me think too like our oh, it's so hard because our culture is so like go 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 and I mean it makes me think of just even maternity leave and after you give birth to a baby which is a big deal yeah for your every body mind soul like woof, that's crazy plus if you have a birth injury or c-section it's like um and then we expect women to get back to work six weeks sometimes or three months we think is the luxury and yeah even after c-section yeah. i think they're expected yeah. back in six weeks <laughs> yeah that's it how does that no i mean you obviously need more rest and recovery than that especially since you're also sleep deprived with a newborn um, so yeah well it's hard to combat the culture of, uh, of um, we have a very pitta culture. Very much so. Have somebody, you know, it, and, you know, with the pandemic and what it's created for people too, like people with kids, for instance, like, uh, you know, that responsibility and the kids in and out of school. Oh, and we have a pandemic of mental health right now uh, because of the viral pandemic. And uh, and we just keep some somewhere. There's this force telling, pushing us to keep being productive and keep going. And yeah, you feel bad taking rest. You're like, wait, am I doing something wrong? Like, yeah, why am I not better in yeah. a day? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know, I think an act of rebellion is is saying, you know what? we're going to take time. We're, you know, work isn't going to be that important. Right. Um, yeah. I'm saying, saying no to things, saying no to other people. Um, it really takes a lot of effort to, to rest. It seems like an oxymoron. Was it even, even the movement of mindfulness, 
right? Like, oh, uh, being used as a weapon to, to say, let's get the workers to practice mindfulness so that they'll just keep working even when it's hard. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. Yeah, we say that like rest mindfulness meditation can make you more productive, which I guess is true, but also weird to think of it in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, I, I don't know if it, how it fits in here, but it, I write little notes as we're talking to, um, the, again, Richard Moss, he, he t- talked once about intervals and events and that we all, um, anticipate these events like a test or a tournament or uh, uh you know i'm teaching next weekend and so i can get myself all agitated and worked up waiting for that event and getting ready for that event and i'm exhausting myself with that kind of mental agitation and instead to see things as um more equal that the intervals and the events can have the same feel to them they don't i don't need to give such intensity to a day or a thing um and i'm sure you said it much more eloquently but yeah no i that makes me think about when i made the shift from like full-time school to full-time work and like school really was a lot of uh a lot of that like you work yourself up to that big test and then you have spring break and you're like crash burn I would usually get sick yeah (laughs) and like then like you'd have you would work yourself up take finals like oh and then you'd have the summer off and then it's like when I started working full-time I was like oh I I don't have those long breaks anymore where I can just crash and burn. It's like, how do I keep myself um, healthy uh, over a longer stretch of time? Because you're right. Like, I think that's really significant. It's like, I would work, I guess I'm so used to just working myself up even just for like that one patient at work or like, or something. (laughs) But then I wouldn't. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't just crash and burn anymore. Yeah, so there's that, you know, we're not encouraging that people just sit on the sofa. Oh, it's rest time, so I'm just going to sit here. That's, but could I be at ease in everything I do? Could I take that sense of enjoying a good movie on the sofa with a thing of popcorn and a nice fluffy blanket and go and treat my patient? <laughs> or write a note um right and I, yeah. I because i love to be productive i love doing things so this has been an important lesson for me i i don't want to tur- i don't want to be the person i don't want to be a person who sits on the sofa it's not it's that's not fun how's that better for me um but if I can do my life with ease in anything I'm doing, 
that that's the goal. That means I have to work at a slower pace. It also means I think I've uh, achieved less than maybe I, I could have, and I've still achieved a lot. Um, so there are, are trade-offs. And, and we do need periods of rest. And I think the example is the lymphatic system. You know, when we, um, when I learned to treat the lymph system, the Europeans were saying, you need to do a two-week intensive for people annually, which is they come in every day, you do lymphatic drainage and you bandage the arm. And um, we I come back to the U.S. and they're, they're like, the insurance system won't support that. So we maybe bandage them twice a week, see them twice a week, teach them how to bandage themselves or give them some piece of equipment or garment that they can put on themselves and say, go for it. And then the limbs never really get that much better, but they don't get worse. So it must be good enough. Well, somewhere along the line, I, you know, listened to the Europeans again, and I'm like, you know what, we're just going to do it. We're just going to offer that to people. And we started doing more intensives again and saw much better results. So like, what is the lesson? These extended periods of rest and support are necessary to help the body uh, cleanse and jumpstart. And in Ayurveda, that's their model is in midlife to be doing um, uh, Panchakarma and uh, Shodhana annually in order to prevent the buildup of doshas. Um, I, I don't, uh, so anyway, that, that model exists, that I, that concept exists there in something that's thousands of years old. So um, building in the, you know, extended periods of rest. Is yeah, you need extended periods of rest. And at the, you have the good point too of like doing your work mindfully or bringing some kind of mindful like in, um, to every task that you do through doing that note or treating yeah. or even washing the dishes like anything that can seem hard mundane or energy sucking I've been trying to do that more lately just like taking care of Gordy and taking care of the house even too it's like I can sweep this floor with a little bit more slowly and enjoy it a little bit more it really makes a difference um rather than trying to like rush through things and get things done I might like you said I might not get as much done but I'm I'm just happier. <laughs> I think too, like, I just thought, thought too, is like, I've also been thinking about just like simplifying life a little bit more too. Like making things, the house, like having less things to take care of in general, like getting rid of things or um, making things a little bit easier to clean or like the less things I have in my mind, then I can focus more on what I really want to do. Um, and everything becomes a little bit more fun or more enjoyable to take care of and do. That makes sense. 
there is this mental aspect though where we see our thinking and once we see the thought then we can decide what we want to do with that um does this thought serve me like um that it's good to push on through and achieve is that a thought that serves me still and if not what what thought would replace it um and i guess what i'm hearing you say shona is like just enjoy the things i have today in this moment slow it down yeah like washing the dishes like either i could be like oh god i gotta get this done like i have so many other things i want to do like this is i hate doing this like i wish i had a dishwasher (laughs) Um, versus me just being like i'm washing this plate (laughs) i'm washing this plate like oh the water's warm (laughs) or like thank you plate like i have plates that's great I started folding my clothes like that. I started folding my clothes like because that's me folding clothes. It's like, oh, what is? I hate this. What is it done? And now I like, oh, this piece of clothing. I remember when I bought it because every time, you know, when you bought when I bought something, it was like I was picking it out because I liked the color or I really appreciated at the time I bought it. But now it's like, oh, I gotta fold it. <laughs> so I just bring that. Oh yeah, I remember. I really liked this, you know, when I got it, and I'm so grateful yeah. that I have this thing. And it it brings it down to life is actually very simple, and <laughs> right, not exciting. You know, it's not exciting in a world that really seems to, you know, we're we're pushed excitement on us and achievement. So to get it, yeah to be happy with dishes and laundry. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're pushed to like perfection too. Like I think with, uh, social media and seeing people look like perfectly mm-hmm. and that they have that all together and everyone is like, I see people's baby nurseries and they're like all so clean. Like this is not <laughs> reality. And I can't be mad about it. That was the best. Well, their reality is that um, they someone do it for them. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think you, Chrissy, sh- savor for for months what you accomplished, because it's an amazing thing, you know. Like, how many people have that board? Uh, certification how many people sit for it every year it's it's a tiny fraction of the population I don't think I've given myself enough credit for it either yeah 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 I felt like it was harder than the the PT board for me anyway I thought it was a big accomplishment especially since you're studying for it and working and it's not an easy test yeah and I feel like you didn't quite necessarily go in the exact direction I love the things that you had written down so that um you know but today we just riffed on each other and and did with the conversation you know what the energy was going to 
Um, yeah. So I, do. Yeah. I think we hit a lot of the things that were on there, though. Yeah, maybe just we didn't say exactly how you written it down. I like no. <laughs> but it, I guess, you know, it's an important point that when our bodies get sick, it's normal to feel depressed and afraid. And it's those are opportunities to examine our our habitual thoughts because they rise to the surface and reevaluate them. How are they serving me and what would be more more useful? Yeah, it kind of all goes back to like the question of does this serve me? And if it does, then how? And if it doesn't, then what would serve me better in this situation? Mm -hmm. I just lately I'm like, I get to be, I have a roof over my head and I'm warm and I got to have food. Yeah. And that, and that in reality should be enough and, and not even enough, just, you know, necess or our underlying, um, uh, our underlying needs, you know, if those are being met, then that's what we should. Yeah. You know, and yeah, trust your feelings. Like if you're feeling this way, it's, there's an unmet need. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I've, with therapy, that has been a huge thing of, what need hasn't been met and that's why I feel the way that I feel and it takes some time to figure that out sometimes thank you so much for listening to this episode our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them and now here we are if you are interested in more content we'll be releasing new episodes every other Monday you can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions PLLC. That PLLC is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.